What's going on, guys? Welcome to today's podcast. So first off, I'm going to dive straight into we have a double header of Monday Night Football games this week, which is pretty cool, but ultimately pretty um, disappointing in my opinion because I was really, really, and I mean really looking forward to watching Cam Newton and the Patriots play against the Chiefs. But hey, you win some, you lose some, whatever. Um, we won't see Cam, but at least the game did not get canceled or postponed or whatever. The game is on. It's going to start at 7 Eastern time tonight with Tony Romo on the call. So that's pretty cool. Um, but I mean, nonetheless, you know, it's going to be disappointing when you, when you take a starting quarterback, a legit starting quarterback out of a big game. So that sucks. But, um, at least from a Patriots standpoint, if you're a Patriots fan, you could think of it this way. Hey, we I'm pretty sure you can't get this virus twice. Right. I don't I don't recall hearing that you can. So if you can't get it twice, then the Patriots can kind of go through the rest of the season knowing that their starting quarterback, Cam Newton, um, will not miss another game because of this thing. So that's cool. Hopefully he'll be back very soon and hopefully he's healthy and good, of course. But um, but yeah, we'll move on this week and we'll see. I'm going to just I, I already did a prediction on this game, but I took the Patriots to win. So real quickly, I just want to run through some things and kind of just give a little analysis on this game tonight and then make a new prediction because, of course, that may just change with the news that Brian Hoyer is starting in place of Cam Newton. I don't know. Something tells me I may not have to I may have to change that pick, but who knows? Um, OK, so the Chiefs, of course, last week on Monday night, we saw an absolute offensive juggernaut performance. Pat Mahomes, five touchdown passes. He went completely insane. Uh, they pretty much handled the Baltimore Ravens. So that was uh, very interesting um, in terms of just we didn't know the Ravens could be handled quite that, for lack of a better word, easily. So um, props to the Chiefs on that one. But as we know now, this, this game tonight is going to be against the greatest, one of the greatest, if not the greatest football minds, particularly on the defensive side of the ball in the history of the NFL and Bill Belichick. So Belichick, every time he plays Mahomes, he at least confuses him for a half kind of or confuses him and or slows him down sub significantly for at least a half. It takes it, it seems to take Pat some time to really understand what is being thrown at him from Bill Belichick. So uh, which is not a knock on Pat. I mean, that's pretty much a, what happens to everyone when they play Belichick. So I think I would think that when Belichick is playing against the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes specifically, he needs to make sure that his his strategy is just that much more um sophisticated and, and uh divisive so i i'm sure that that because if you don't if you if you we saw what happened last week with the ravens team that just kind of did what they do against the chiefs and it just didn't work out so you have to throw curveballs at this guy and you have to make him second guess and hold the ball but also what we learned in my opinion most last week on monday night football watching the ravens and chiefs play is we learned that what you absolutely cannot do and also i'll even go back to week before when we saw the chiefs and the chargers play we learned that you absolutely somehow some way have to figure out a way to prevent him from breaking contain getting outside the pocket and then just bashing you down the field because when he breaks contain and he gets outside that pocket it's just 
he's just so much more dangerous because he can run with it, and we saw him make several plays that way, or he can keep the ball, run around, and wait for somebody to uncover, which they have a bunch of really, really fast dudes in that second – I mean, uh, in that receiving court, plus they have the best tight end in football, Travis Kelsey, or at least you know him or George Kittle, one or two. So a very, very elite-level tight end, Travis Kelsey. We all know the Chiefs have a ton of weapons, so – you have to keep Mahomes in the pocket and you have to somehow get pressure on him without allowing him to get outside the pocket. So keep him in the pocket would be, I guess, um, key area number one in this game for, for New England, which I'm, I'm sure Belichick will have some type of a plan to do that. Uh, I mean, whether it works or not will remain to be seen. But Patriots are now 11-point favorites. So they were, I believe earlier in this week, the line was six and a half either six and a half or seven. So uh, the absence of Cam Newton has, from the Vegas betting odds standpoint, cost them about four points. So that's not, it's not anything crazy. And it's like just basic, if I'm not, without telling you my pick, I don't think it's crazy to take the Chiefs to win by, to, to cover the 11 point spread here. So um, anyways, let's get more specific now with the chiefs we look at them they've allowed the third fewest pass yards per game so you you look at them and you think like oh you know i saw someone was telling me yesterday oh no man the the chiefs secondary is very inconsistent and their, their defense isn't that good and it's like um they allowed the third fewest passing yards per game and the patriots allow the 11th fewest passing yards per game the chiefs allow the seventh fewest uh, yards per pass attempt at 6.5 so we're talking about a legit top seven at worst pass defense for the kansas city chiefs the patriots in that regard are actually 27th because of that russell wilson game where he literally averaged over 10 yards per attempt but here is what's interesting and what's really kind of what the chiefs are made of they are sacking opposing quarterbacks one every 9.3 pass attempts and they're generating so remember i in the last podcast, I believe it was, I was talking about how everybody likes to talk about the pressures, right? That's kind of become the the cool, popular thing to talk about when, you, when you're kind of analyzing a, a opposing teams or a certain teams' pass rush. You're like, okay, what's their pressure rate? And that does absolutely matter. But sacks also matter because that oftentimes is the difference between getting pressure and just pressure or getting pressure and then when you – and then – often enough getting home and finishing the play. It's usually the difference between um, a defense that's that's a decent, that's a good defense in terms of schematic and how they're bringing pressure, but not necessarily, they don't a lot of times they don't have the guys that can actually finish the play into a sack, especially against the these all, a lot of these mobile quarterbacks that we're seeing in the league currently. So actually getting the sack matters as well. So they're sacking opposing quarterbacks one every 9.3 pass attempts, but they're also generating the fourth most pressures by percentage at 30%. So this pass rush is serious. Um, the Patriots on the opposite end of this thing are, are generating the third most pressure. So even more so than the Chiefs, they're generating 33.7% of the time they're generating pressure, but they're only getting a sack one every 18 pass attempts. So just like I described, we know that the Chiefs have two elite-level defensive linemen in Chris Jones and Frank Clark, and we know that the Patriots don't have that guy. They kind of rely on scheme and just, you know, just basically to kind of fool you and make you hold the ball in order to get home. So to, uh, two totally different 
um, skill sets in, in that regard for both teams. So uh, neither team has been great against the run, though. New England's 22nd in yards per carry allowed at 4.6. And here is where the Chiefs have a weakness on defense. It's they are 30th um, against the run in terms of yards per carry allowed. They allow 5.3 yards per carry. So the key for New England, without even you know thinking about it anymore, will most definitely be to establish the run and be effective with it, right? I mean, they ran for 250 yards last week against the Raiders, and on the season, they have the second most rush yards per game on average at 178 per game. Um, Now, we do have to take into consideration that Cam Newton was averaging 50 yards a game. So they were averaging 178 per game with Cam. That means without Cam, they're averaging 128 per game, which would still be good for 12th best in the NFL. So Their running backs, the kind of staple of running backs they have there in New England has been solid this year, to say the least. And uh, I mean, Sonny Michelle is averaging like over four and a half yards per carry after contact. So they are definitely playing well without Cam from a running the ball standpoint. But I, I think in this game tonight, of course, it's very important that they run the football, most definitely. And I think that that's kind of their best area to attack this Chiefs team. So it wouldn't surprise me if we saw the Patriots run the ball I mean, literally 50 times or something crazy. If they were to keep this thing really, really close or even win, um, it, it would. I would see that. But I also think that they are going to, I think the best way for them to, to get that early lead that they kind of need is to come out early and pass and to have just some, uh, I could see them doing this too, just having a beautiful game plan early to get the ball out of Hoyer's hands, pass to set up the run because the Chiefs are going to be, determined to make Brian Hoyer beat them, as you might imagine. So um, that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Are they going to come out and just say, you know what, we're running the ball, you know it, we know it, and just come out and try to do that right away? Or are they going to, and this is what I'd be more in favor of for this particular game uh, plan, are they going to come out and, and basically pass in order to set up the run, basically make the Chiefs back up a little bit, respect the passing attack, and then when they do that, pound them with the run. So I, I could see either one. And and just for so you guys understand, that doesn't mean that they have to come out and pass 15 straight times, although with them being New England Patriots, it wouldn't shock me if they did something like that, and it, it wouldn't shock me if they did something like that effectively. But what I mean is come out and, and throw three three quick passes or – even better, maybe one quick one or two quick ones, and then two or three deep to intermediate balls down down the football field. That uh, off of play action too. So that's kind of how you. I talked about this in one of my recent podcasts too. Just good, effective offensive football is dictating to the defense. So immediately we know most likely the Chiefs are going to come out. They're going to stack the box and say, "We dare you to throw the ball and beat us." So. Instead of allowing them to do that and trying to run right into the teeth of that defense, why not spread them out early? Or you don't even necessarily have to spread them out, but you could just run. You could come out in like 12 personnel, two tight ends, one running back and, and play action and then just push the ball down the field to basically earn their respect. And now they're going to be a little bit more cautious on like, should we really just sell out for the run here? Because this guy's kind of he's. You know, we started the game with back-to-back 20-yard or 15-yard completions, so maybe we shouldn't actually just 
you know what I mean, stack the box. So I think that's kind of the interesting chess match in uh, in terms of how the Patriots should or will come out early in this game. Um, because, I mean, look, I have no issue with if they want to come out and just say, you know it and we know it, we're running the damn ball, we don't care. I, I get that. But I think that if they do that, I would expect some wide receiver carries like some Nikhil Harry on an end around or maybe even a Harry, uh, Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman reverse uh, type of play calls, something like that, because at the end of the day, and the Patriots know this more than anybody, like I say, good offensive football is dictating to the uh, to the defense. So I think some way, somehow we'll see the Patriots do that. And I think that we'll see a relatively close game, uh, to be honest. I, I think that the Patriots might even have a lead early, 7 nothing, maybe even something like 10 nothing lead. And then when Patrick Mahomes stops being confused in the, uh, you know, somewhere down the stretch, second half, I think we'll see that the Chiefs kind of resume control. And um, ultimately, I just don't know that they can get it done because I don't think the Patriots' defense is quite ready to play a full game where they're where they have just the perfect game plan to get after Mahomes and everything like that in in terms of mainly because I don't think they have the offense to consistently move the ball. So I think they're they're going to come up a little bit short in this game right now. Like I said, the the current spread is um, New England plus eleven, and the over under is forty nine. So I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. Uh, I'm going to take them twenty seven to 23 so that would be barely enough for the over and it would be enough for the Patriots to actually cover there so I think they the Chiefs win this game I think Patrick Mahomes and and company are just too much down the stretch Um, and something also the the Chiefs are actually the eighth best run team in terms of yards per game so keep an eye on that because the Patriots haven't been awesome you know they haven't been great defending the run so um, I think that ultimately Clyde will have a, a nice second half as a runner. I don't, maybe if uh, he'll catch some passes in the first half, but I think his main course of action will be to run the ball, and I think that will open up down the stretch of the game. But I think, yeah, uh, Chiefs win the game 27-23. Moving on to the next Monday night game, which I think is actually starting while this one's still in play, which is very uh, weird, but whatever, we'll roll with it. So the Falcons and the Packers, no Devontae Adams and no Alan Lazard for Green Bay. So that is very interesting to me because this Falcons defense isn't, and this is going to sound insane to a lot of you, but they're not as bad as people think. And, And I say that fully aware that they've been getting absolutely destroyed in the second half of games uh, in particular, but they're, actually decent against the run they are where is it 14th in yard in rush yards allowed per game 113 so that's really not bad it's pretty respectable and they're 18th in yards per carry a lot four or five so it's not horrible it's not great but and they are allowing the second most pass yards per game of 350 yards a game and that's where this kind of looks interesting to me can they and one of the I mean obviously one of the big keys of this game are can they keep Aaron Jones in check because what we've seen from Green Bay since um, Matt Lafleur has been there now a little over a year are there are times where Aaron Jones and this run game can just 
absolutely destroy you. And this is what we're seeing, the fruits of their labor of establishing a, a really, truly dynamic run game. We're seeing now Aaron Rodgers without without uh, Devontae Adams last week. We're seeing him dice up a, a pretty good Saints secondary. And we're seeing that mainly because they are the ones doing the dictating to the opposing defenses. So when they come out, they're not like, all right, we're going to run into an eight-man box. Nobody nobody wants to load up a box against Aaron Rodgers because he has still one of the best arms in NFL football. So you don't want to do that, right? So here's the issue. H- however you play them, they can they can make you pay, right? If you if you did decide we're going to come and and stuff the box, eight man boxes against Rodgers, well, you know what's going to happen. They're going to they're going to run some play action and maybe get him outside the pocket. So what I think they'll do in this game tonight is they'll get Rodgers outside the pocket because for whatever reason in his history against Dan Quinn and the Falcons defense, they have been able to get pretty significant pressure on him. Um, in the last four games they've played. He's been sacked four times, three times, three times, two times, right? And and that's like Rodgers typically does take sacks, but um, for for that for Atlanta to be able to get him that consistently and at the same time hold him to just six point five yards per pass attempt during those four games, that has my attention, and and I'm really kind of. Uh, intrigued by this and and i know it goes over there's much context that doesn't go into what i'm saying here because this is over a uh, three-year span for or, i'm sorry going back four years now because it's 2020 and the, these games are going back to 2016 but even still um to rogers has never just for context has never in any of these games completed more than 6.9 yards per pass attempt so for them to be able to get after him that much and um, also in the same token, not allow big plays is pretty interesting to me. But there's a totally new dynamic in this year's Packers and even in last year's against this year's Falcons. So this year's Falcons defense is obviously not playing well at times, right? They have times where they're good first half of games <laughs> and they have times where they really struggle second half of games. Um Aaron, Aaron Jones is a guy that is touching the ball 20 times a game. Um, I mean, he's got 60 touches, literally, for 398 yards and five touchdowns in the first four games of the season. So he's going to touch the ball. Um, he's going to run it 16 to 18 times. He's going to catch it four to five, six times. You know, that's just kind of what you're going to get. Green Bay's third in rushing yards a game. Atlanta is a team that, like I said, they're middle of the pack against the run. So they're not horrible. First things first, can the Falcons slow down this run game of the Packers? Can they keep them to like 3.5 yards a carry in the first half? If they can do that and they can make Green Bay kind of have to pass and keep them in the the, um, situations where they're in third and at least mediums to longs, that will be huge because now we'll have to see what Rodgers can do from a true pass set without his top two wide receivers. So, I mean, I know he they still have weapons that can hurt you. I'm, I'm aware. But I think that for the Falcons, if they want to have a chance in this game to slow down this Packers offense, they have to contain, they have to stop the run early. I mean, like, honestly, they can even get beat up on the ground, but they have to for the first quarter and a half or so, they have to stop Aaron Jones 
and, and get Green Bay into some situations where it's third and long, third and eight plus. Because if that happens, they may be able to generate some pressure and their, their pass rush has a chance to get home um, because they have actually been pretty good as, as a pass rushing team. They have a chance to get home, especially because they I think they can hold up on the back end a little better than some might think if and only if they get Green Bay in some obvious passing situations. So um, obviously Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind right now. So I'm not trying to say that, you know, this whole like what has happened historically is going to happen tonight and Rodgers is going to struggle. I'm not saying that. But what I'm just looking at from the from the Falcons point of view, because they're the underdogs mainly, and I'm just trying to see what what do they have to do to win the game? And I think more so than anything else, they have to stop the run early. If they can do that, get Green Bay in some longer situations, I think they will definitely make this a competitive game. Um, if they can do, if they can stop the run and put together a first half like they've been putting together, I mean, we may be looking at a Falcons, well, a Falcons lead. <laughs> I could say it could end up being just like all the other games they've played this year, where they basically blow the lead. But nonetheless, it could end up that way. So Atlanta is a seven-point underdog in this game, and the over/under is sitting at fifty-seven. And honestly, so far this week, nine of the twelve games that have been played have exceeded 50 points. It's crazy. Like it, it you know, teams are just scoring like nonstop. The the defenses and I heard somebody say this so I I would credit them if I could remember who it was, but when you are playing offensive football, like remember all the clips this summer of Tom Brady going to like a local high school and calling his offense to the high school and and they're out there they're out there practicing, right? Like they're getting getting their chemistry down, they're they're uh, running routes, everybody's lined up where they're supposed to be and Brady's slinging it. And they're all gaining from that. They're all building chemistry. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, you can't do that. You know what I mean? So you you, you don't have um you're not allowed to just with the social distancing protocols and all that, you're not allowed to have that many people there and then, you know, playing a full on football scrimmage in most cases. So um, that kind of hurts them. It's like, how do you practice playing defense? You need the other side to be playing offense. So it's, it's, you know, it makes sense that they're behind and it's, it's weird because typically we always see early season NFL seasons and even college that defenses are a little bit ahead of the offense is assuming that uh, talent level and things like that are, are similar. So, um, but yeah, so like overall, I think that's a huge, huge, huge piece. If, if, if Aaron Jones comes out in the first half and he's just easily moving them down the field, I think they're in big trouble. Cause that's when the Rogers play action game will become lethal. And that's when the big plays will come when it's third and two and Atlanta is so worried about the many different ways that the Green Bay can hurt you on the ground. And then the play action comes. Now the linebackers have taken those three, four steps up and out of position. Boom, they're, they're getting uh, beat in the intermediate deep areas of the field. Long, uh, You know, just that that's when things will get out of hand and the Packers will be in easy, easy control of this game. So as most of inevitably the games that I personally break down and analyze – I, I really think a lot of this one comes down to the run. And I am I'm well aware that not every game is like that. And like, for example, Atlanta needs, I think it's important for Atlanta to run the ball as well, but I don't necessarily care because they're going to be able to pass it. You know, that they're, they're actually a good, I mean, they're a great passing offense, let's face it. But 
I don't think that Green Bay has actually not gotten pressure nearly as much as you would think because of the Smith brothers and all that stuff, only at like a 16.5% rate, which is like bottom five to seven in the league, if I remember correctly. Um, Atlanta is actually getting pressure 25% of the time, which is up there in the in in the league. So um, that's another reason why I think it's so, so important for in this specific matchup for Atlanta to shut the Green Bay run game down early and then they can, you know, potentially get some pressure on Rodgers on those third and long situations. And then if they build a lead early, they don't have to worry so much about the Green Bay run game. Um, I mean, in the same way, right? Like they, they can they can kind of know that ultimately the Packers will have to pass it against them. Of course, you'd like to be able to shut down the run game the entire game, but I don't. I think the Green Bay run rushing attack will have its moments for sure. But I think the way this Falcons defense is built is actually a decent matchup for the way this uh, Packers like to run the football. They like to, they like to get outside. They don't, they're not necessarily a just straight up the middle bludgeon you all day kind of rushing attack. They're, they're a um, kind of more of a finesse type style. Like they want to hit the edges. They want to, they want to find ways to get outside of the tackle box and, this Falcons defense is sort of smaller and fast. So it could just in that, in theory there, it could be a little more difficult for green Bay to, to get it going against this team regardless. But overall, man, I think that it'll be a fun game. I do think we'll see a lot of points. I think that um, Atlanta will somehow, some way get off to a decent early lead. Nothing crazy. I think, you know, maybe, Let's say Atlanta goes up seven nothing, then it's seven three, and then ten three. Like I think it'll be something like that, and then I think ultimately the Atlanta Falcons will steal this game. They, you heard me. They're not going to blow it. They're going to come in there, and Dan Quinn's going to do what he seemingly always does, and right at the very, very last second, when you are literally about to fire him. He does something like this, where last year he did it against San Francisco, went in there and beat them. This year, it's going to happen to the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, who knows? Atlanta may even string together a couple of wins. But I think that the Falcons are going to shock the world tonight. They're going to beat the Packers 34-27. And that's actually the under, believe it or not, even though that's uh, – or no, I'm sorry. that That's not the under. That's the over by two points. So, overall – Give me the Falcons, 34-27, and yeah, uh, look, I'm not going to say you should bet on that, but I, I really have this feeling, just kind of like I did last night with the with the Philadelphia Eagles against the um, San Francisco 49ers, I, I just felt like Philly was, well, first of all, San Francisco's missing their quarterback, right? I think a lot of people really kind of didn't put the proper amount of value on that because of how well Mullins played the week before, but um when you are a winless team and and you have a lot of talent and you have like a legit franchise quarterback, I think that you don't want to play that team because even if they've been playing bad and you've been playing well, the 49ers, I mean, uh, the Packers are now the injured team going into this game. Julio's playing, Calvin Ridley's playing, um, you know, Matt Ryan, of course, is playing all those guys. So this is a trap game. And yes, the Packers should win but i just have a feeling that the falcons are going to come out so desperate and so tired of being just completely trashed on by the media every week week in week out because of their own 
doing, blowing games. I think they win this game 34-27, and I think Dan Quinn lives to tell about <laughs> to tell his team another game plan for another week. So, um, anyways, that's how I see it going, guys. Hit me up in the DMs at FairShakeFB on Twitter if you want to talk about it, or at FairShakeFootball on Instagram. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you later.